In his book, The Outliers, writer Malcolm Gladwell documents the causes of some major airline crashes, including a systemic problem with Korean airlines in the 1990s and crashes in America. The problem in these situations was poor communication. This is more than just one misheard comment or the misunderstanding of the meaning of one word. The whole dynamics of the interaction between pilot, co-pilot, engineer and control tower was a problem. I should say that the Korean airlines turned their poor safety record around. Recently on Overdrive, we discussed behavioural change with Liz Ampt and talked about the need to understand where the other person is coming from. This is more than just tailoring the message to a person. It's about finding out what they see and understand about the situation. Now, we have previously spoken to Dr. Bridie Scott Parker, who leads the Adolescent Risk Research Unit at the University of the Sunshine Coast. She has been doing a research project titled Do Parents and Learner Drivers See the Same Road? It goes to the very core of what we need to understand about effective interaction, not just one-way communication, if we are to teach our children well. Bridie joins us on the line now. Bridie, I hope I don't show my age by starting with a reference from Crosby, Stills and Nash. Do you remember the song? I don't remember the song, but I'm quite sure I shall remember it because I too am from last century. 1970 was the song, and the lyrics were actually, I think, a bit one-dimensional. It actually starts with, you who are on the road must have a code that you live by. Seems a pretty good point. But it then says to the children, don't you ever ask them why if they told you you might cry, just look at them and sigh. It's a bit one way, that sort of communication, isn't it? Which is what you're aiming against. Well, that's right. We want people to question why because that's actually how we learn. So definitely we need to look at young driver road safety a different way. And I think we need to support parents in this process. Often parents get a bad rap, but if you don't know what you need to do because no one's helped you, I think that's very unfair. And it's our young people who are paying the price. Road safety in the 60s used to be a very stern lecture from an adult. We've certainly moved away from that. We have, which is excellent. Unfortunately, though, we know young drivers still are much more likely to be killed on the road. So I think despite the wonderful advances we've made with programs such as graduated licensing and minimum practice requirements, I think there is so much more we can do. And a big part of that is thinking about it differently. To think about it differently, you actually looked at it a bit differently. What were you measuring? What did you do? So what we did was use GoPro cameras. We've made wonderful advances in technology. Let's capitalise on that in our research. We affixed GoPro cameras to the front and the two side windows of a car and drove along some simple routes and some complex routes such as roundabouts and roadwork. We captured different manoeuvres such as merging, travelling beside drivers and driving through a school, a school zone. We have this fantastic simulation environment at the university where you're in a cave environment. It's as if you're driving this car and we've projected those three film clips all running at the same time. You're the driver and I get to ask you to speak aloud while you're driving along that route. What are you looking at? You're the driver to what are you paying attention? And we had the learner do this separately from their parents. So I was able to analyse exactly what they were looking at and I've identified some really key gaps and I don't think parents are aware and young drivers certainly aren't aware 
they're not really seeing the same road, even though they're looking through the same windscreen. I scream at my kid, didn't you see that? Perhaps the point is, no, it didn't. You don't understand what I'm looking at. Parents, of course, have had a longer experience. So how do they see the world differently or the, the road? The parents actually see the road completely dim differently and I sympathise with parents screaming at their children. I have a learner driver and I often say to parents, please don't scream at your child because it scares them. I have let out blood-curdling shrieks as we shuffle towards intersections whilst I'm screaming break and she's going, what? What do you mean break? So yes, I have a vested interest myself in these research findings. What I found is that parents spent all of the drive not only attending to really important things on the journey such as merging, complex roundabouts, road work, they also had this insight into what others were doing, they could anticipate what those others were doing and they looked at those behaviours in relation to themselves which is really important. It meant that they were looking at what's happening on the road in front of them what's happening on the road beside them and being mindful in particular of what's happening on the road behind them. And the young people, a little more narrow, I presume? Much, much more narrow, focused on novelty. So even reflecting on your own drive each day, perhaps you're sharing the road with a truck occasionally, maybe once a day, and maybe you have one circumstance of merging. Much of their focus was on these novel and really scary from a learner's perspective and even sometimes from an experienced driver's perspective, these really scary novel events rather than focusing on things like there's a driver beside me, I can see their indicators on, I'm going to be mindful because perhaps they may jump in the lane in front, they may jump in the lane behind. The parents also had some insight into how they were potentially a hazard to other people. Learners had no insight into how their vehicle might actually affect someone else's road safety. Instead, it tended to be two eyes focused on the car in front, despite having a much larger roadway environment to the front, to the side and behind. And of course, it's not the child's fault. It's no good uh, assuming that they are inherently bad. It's a question of learning over time. That's right. We have no idea as parents that they're not actually seeing the same thing as us. We've been sitting in a car for years looking through that windscreen. We know what to look at. No one told us, hey, you should look at this. So I grew up last century and the training programs were very different from today. Having said that, today we don't say to parents, do you realise even though both your eyeballs, there's four eyeballs looking through the one windscreen, you are not seeing the same thing at all. So not only is this super important for training because you need to guide your learner, the idea is that minimum practice requirement gives them these skills. They build situation awareness skills while you're there to help them. So when they're by themselves, they have this whole armament, this whole battery of resources they can draw on. Not only is that super important, the other really important aspect relates to those screams. You might think the learner has seen that pedestrian step out waywardly, maybe jaywalking, and you might assume your learner is going to stop. Always assume your learner hasn't seen the important features in the environment, particularly in the very early stages, because they may simply be focused on their dashboard. They may be focused right in front of the car. We've been teaching our daughter in an automatic because she was having a lot of difficulty changing gears 
taking her eyes off the road to look at the gear stick. Of course, if you're not even looking at the road, you can't see a hazard, let alone react to it. I mentioned your work the other day where you had also said, for example, on the first time young people go out on their L plates, don't take them around a roundabout. They're getting used to far too many things to cope with what is cars coming from all angles. That's right. So even myself, when I hire a car or if you buy a new car or you travel in a colleague's car, even the internal parts of that car and operating that car is slightly different and experienced drivers can be a bit disoriented. Think about it as a learner. It's like jumping in a spaceship and we say to them, off you go, start going. We really need to start out slow. One of the advantages, of course, in the olden days, as I like to call it, is that shopping centres were closed on the weekend and you could find somewhere quiet in a car park to practice. It's a bit more problematic today, so I recommend parents head to schools and practice in the car park. We practice in our local car park to be assured that she actually has some vehicle control skills before we start interacting with anyone else and with complex environments. Even traffic lights seem very straightforward to us. They're completely terrifying to a learner who does not know where to look. The communication of words can be very important. When my young fellow was playing soccer, the coach was away one time and I was asked just to add some encouragement and comments from the side. And I used an expression like, move them up. And someone whispered in my ear, they don't know what that means. And, and so if you come to a corner and say, change down a gear, the learner driver might not have any idea what you really mean by that. Yep, particularly in the early stages. The other part that is especially complicated for parents, and I don't think we manage this well in the licensing system, is that outside the car, of course, I'm mum and daughter. With my daughter, we have all of our interactions. We have a 17-year history of interactions. I might say to her, go tidy your room. She hears, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> as teenagers do. However, when you're in that car, it has to be instructor and student. It has to be, if I say, you need to break now, she hears the words, you need to break now. And I don't think parents and learner drivers are encouraged to have that discussion beforehand. I think it's really tricky if you have 17 years of interaction and sometimes there's baggage. Perhaps your child has a difficult temperament. Being a teenager is complicated. They can be emotional creatures. Reflecting on my own teen years, I remember, despite my children's firm assertions that I'm too old to remember, I remember what it's like to be a teenager. You have a lot of pressures on you. And then when you're put in the car, you have to be able to separate. Now I'm a student. I must 100% listen to mum and dad. In many ways, driving instructors really have a great advantage because they don't have that history. They mightn't have the baggage where mum and dad might have been cross that the student didn't finish their homework or perhaps didn't do so well on a school assessment item. Next thing you're in the car and unfortunately someone might still be grumpy about being chastised, doesn't want to listen. We need to have that clear demarcation as well. And I don't think we support parents in how to manage that either. I think there's an important point that came out of the research into the airline industry that there were some cultures where people spoke very quietly and politely and so the co-pilot might in a more roundabout way try to hint to the pilot that there is an issue he ought to address 
whereas the real point of the matter is you ought to state it, state it clearly. The other thing from the child's point of view is that if I scream breaks now, it's an emergency, I'm not going to judge you forever. I'm just trying to save the, the immediate situation. That's right. So we need to be clear in our communication as well because we don't want there to be a miscommunication. So interestingly enough, I, I have screamed quite loudly on two occasions with my daughter when we were first driving. And when we actually managed to stop the vehicle, which I will let you know was only because I pulled the handbrake on and we slid out into a T-junction with the crossing traffic doing 80 kilometres an hour. And of course, we were in the wrong. It was a stop sign and we would have been T-boned, which of course is a dreadful accident. When we had stopped and I said, darling, when I say break, I mean break now. And she goes, oh, I didn't know you meant break now. I was going to break. <laughs> so we need to have those conversations beforehand because I did explain to her that if we do leave this mortal coil, we shall be accompanied by my blood-curdling scream of break. I laugh with you, not at you. You understand that completely. It's a complicated thing and I, I greatly appreciate, despite having more than a decade of research in this area, actually being in that seat now with my own learner and having discussions with my 16-year-old young man who, of course, is eligible to get a licence but isn't yet because he is called Evil Knievel for a very good reason. It's actually allowed me to sympathise quite a bit with some parents and some of the experiences, which are pretty scary, that they've gone through. But I really think we shouldn't have to go through these scary experiences. I think the next really important step we need to do in young driver road safety is help parents, because of course not all parents are driving instructors, and sometimes kids don't even have access to parents. Mum and Dad might only have a work vehicle, Mum and Dad may longer, no longer be married and they're staying with one parent who doesn't have a licence. It goes to a general approach as well. It's not saying we're going to give parents the scout line summary of here's the lesson to follow. It's the interaction as well. It's the ability and the skills of being able to communicate, not just tell people something, but to know that the other person's going to have their opinion as well. In an emergency, they've got, you know, you've got to say, get out. You know, you, that, that old planning thing that if there's a fire, you don't want to say, well, let's sit down and have a meeting about this and work out a strategy. Right. You've got to say, get out and get out now. But there are other times leading up to it that we can prepare for it, which requires or benefits greatly from an interaction. I think the other thing that we need to do is actually think about young driver road safety in a completely different way. So I hear from parents, my teenager never listens to me, never pays attention to anything I do. I challenge those parents to try and hide a chocolate bar somewhere in their house. They will think they've hidden that chocolate bar. No, you have not. That teenager will be able to sniff out that chocolate bar and find it. They do pay attention to what you're doing. So even before they get on the road, there are things that we can do to help prepare them to be safe drivers when they're by themselves. Right from when that baby capsule turns around at six months, that little person is a sponge taking in all the behaviours that you perform, all the attitudes that you show. So if it's not important to you that everyone wears a seatbelt, that message comes through to your young driver. 
We know though that if you're wearing a seatbelt and you do crash, that's your best first line of defence to help keep you safe. So you actually end up with 16 or 17 years of exposure to your driving, whoever else might be driving that car, grandma, granddad, brothers, aunts, carpooling, what's happening with other drivers on the road. There can be some really great teachable moments as well. So that young kids have that road safety, being safe, looking after not only myself, but other people. Because of course we don't want to hurt anyone else on the road as well. So again, they're adding to this armament that they have even before they get out on the road when you're not in the car with them and maybe they've got some friends who are encouraging them to be risky. From what you were saying is one of the things we can also do is as they are yet to have uh, be old enough to drive is to be talking to them a bit about what the, the parent is seeing on the road. Not to make it into a commentary every time you drive, but say, look, you're coming up to drive. This is what I am noticing as I drive, just to be able to do two things, to, to broaden the understanding, but also to enhance the relationship, to enhance the ability to talk through situations, not just have a vague message of drive safely. That's right. So when you've already started a dialogue, even before they get behind the wheel, you've already built that great communication between the two of you and you can capitalise on that during that learner phase. My children thought I was some sort of magician when they were younger. I'd say to them, hey kids, look through the front windscreen, that car ahead of me is going to go straight through the stop sign. And they'd say, oh no mummy, they won't, that's a stop sign, you have to stop. As an experienced driver, I could sense what they were doing. We much of driving is social. I could see that they did not even notice the stop sign. They did not check the, inter the intersection was available and they did not slow down in any way. All of this is key information as experienced drivers that we go, aha, that person's a hazard. They're likely to go through that intersection. I'll adjust my behaviour accordingly. One of the biggest problems with young drivers, particularly when they're learners, they're very attuned to what all the road rules are because they've just passed the learner theory test. Now they're driving as learners. They have this great big L plate on their car which draws everyone's attention. Are they doing the right thing behind the wheel? I hear learner drivers all the time saying, I'm doing the right thing. I'm stopping at stop signs. I'm indicating at roundabouts. I'm following the merging rules. But all the other drivers aren't. It's problematic if they think the other drivers are actually going to stop when they have right of way, when potentially us as experienced drivers, we can pick up those cues and adjust our behaviour accordingly. So we actually do make it pretty challenging for young drivers to be safe on the road. Are you going to progress in terms of producing material for parents? I think that will be a valuable part of it. So as a parent myself, I'm very aware of what literature is available and there isn't a great deal. The other part that is uh, something that I'm considering is a resource like an app where you've got five minutes, you might be having a, a cup of tea, you might be waiting at the bus stop for your child to arrive and you've got five minutes, you can quickly jump online, maybe watch a short video clip or access an app where an example might be shown to you. We want to have all different available options that we can. Something else that I'm looking at is parents actually supporting each other. It's amazing the number of parents who have similar experiences and might have advice for other parents. 
that's a fantastic resource. Why aren't we tapping into that as well? There's some wonderful opportunities. As I said in the introduction, we had been talking about behavioural change with some people that have really been involved in that area. And it's a science more than it's just a bit of an opinion. And I think there's a lot that we can do. Bridie, it's uh, always lovely to talk to you. I do appreciate the depth and the passion of which you go about looking to try and help our young people be much safer on the road. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And that is uh, Dr. Bridie Scott-Parker from the University of the Sunshine Coast. And she was talking there about teaching young kids to drive. Uh, uh, uh,